0: Good morning, welcome, and greet you in Jesus' name as well. Thank you all that have shared and participated this morning <clears throat> so far. I don't have a, uh, I recognize it's, has been mentioned, it's the last day of the year, tomorrow's New Year's, and I don't have a message prepared to fit that calendar, this theme. Today, but I want to share, <clears throat> give a message that's been on on my mind for the last while. I'm not exactly sure why or where it came from. But it's been something I've been thinking about lately, and that is the matter of respect. The title that I decided to give the message is a is a, a heart of reverence and respect, and I'll try to break that down a little bit more as we go along here. How many of you children know what it means to be respectful? You understand that when your mom and dad tells you to respect your Sunday school teacher, respect your teacher, respect your elders. What does that mean? Sometimes we look around at our society as adults, especially in our Secular society, we hear it a lot, talking about the public school system, the riots in the cities, the defiance of authority, and we're amazed at the level of disrespect that we see around us. Um, I hear comments, and maybe I've commented this, but I've heard comments from older ones lamenting the loss of respect. Where has respect gone? Um, often we think about respect, as I've already referred to, to the children, as, a, as something for the children. You hear it in schools. You hear it uh, maybe to youth. To respect your elders. And so the question, one question to think about is, is respect a subject for children? Is it a, is it a subject for youth? And where does all this disrespect come from if there's disrespect? What does it look like? And what exactly is it? You know, as you look at our country and you think about our society, you think about the leaders, the political leaders. What about the parents? What about Hollywood movies? The trendsetters. Those that are in in positions of influence. Maybe we don't have to look that far. Maybe sometimes we look inside our own schools, our own private schools, our own churches, our own homes. And it gets even closer than that. It gets You feel it, I feel it in my own heart at times. And unfortunately, maybe it comes out. A bit of disrespect. I don't like disclaimers and I don't, view this as a disclaimer, but I feel, view this as an acknowledgement and and because I just feel it's uh, it's better I say it than you have to think it. all service. And that is that um, I am not better than you in this subject. I stand before you and try to speak and teach, but I don't stand as one that is on a higher plane than you all in the area of respect. In fact, some of you are, I would say, better at it than I am. And I have have things to learn from you as I watch you. As I pondered this subject, I thought about different childhood memories. I thought about even adult memories that came back to me, that I was ashamed of, that I, when I wasn't respectful like I should have been. And so I acknowledge that as, as a continual area of growth for me and my family as well in this area. The reality is that all of us, parents, our children, are born with a respect problem. It's a problem. It's, it's something that we inherit. It's in our DNA. We come pre-programmed, self-willed. We don't want authorities in our lives holding us back, telling us no. That is seen as early as months old in the life of a baby often. We tend to think our opinion is center. And there's opinions to the right and views to the left. It's just how, how we tend towards. It's something that our children need to be trained. They don't, they don't, uh, trained out of. And I want to be merciful to you this morning. Uh, especially with younger children. If you have, you're in the middle of the battle, uh, don't feel bad. I'm in the middle of the battle as well. And um, I realize that, that it is a process. We cannot just crush our children into a respectful mold immediately. But it is something we need to work on and stick with and stay with if we're going to play the long game and have success. And so, it is a a process. It it comes over the time of years. A heart of reverence and respect. Why a heart and why reverence? Uh, I just want to give a little bit on that. Reverence and respect can be worked out on on surface levels. It can be worked out with our actions. We We can hold the door open for somebody. We can say nice things with our mouth. But... Real reverence and respect, as I, I'm aiming at this morning, is, is a matter of the heart. It is something that is deeper than that. It is not just trying to contain it in all this rebellion that's in my heart. But it's trying to actually look, take a look at ourselves and recognize when it is disrespect, when it is irreverent. The, the level of respect that we have in our hearts towards others is really up to us. It is not my circumstances. It isn't because of my dad. It isn't because of my church. It isn't because of a mean authoritarian in my life. Those are all unfortunate things. And those are wrong. But my attitude, my respect in life is solely up to me. It, it is the, the condition of my heart. And so that is why I think it's important to just bring that out, that reverence and respect to to aim for the goal of a heart that is actually in that position as much as possible. You know, authority and position and power has a certain amount of leverage and strength to, to demand, to force, to pressure whether it's as a parent or as a school or the laws of the land, to bring someone into compliance in obedience and to some level of respect, you might say. But true respect cannot be brought about with force and with big sticks and a loud voice or excommunication. You cannot, you cannot achieve and pressure someone. I can take maybe one of my younger boys I can get them by the the back of the neck and I probably could force them to bend their neck and bend their back and physically bring them to their knees. My older boy, maybe not. There comes a time in life when when the brawn and the stick and the force doesn't work anymore. And now you're depending upon a respect. A mutual respect. And how do you get there? How does that happen? What if you wake up one day and they're looking you in the eye and they don't respect you? Well, this is where I think reverence comes in. And I just want to, I'm not going to talk a lot about reverence, but as, I, as I'm using the terms this morning, I'm using reverence I'll open this up in a little bit. Reverence as our relationship to God. And I'm thinking of respect as our relationship to mankind and others and things, things like that. So reverence towards God. I I believe that it is so foundational. It it is where it comes. That is where we're talking about getting down to the heart of the matter is our view of God towards God. And so the question might come. Well, can't I be respectful if I don't believe in God or have reverence for God? I think that there can be a level of respect generated through other ways. People learn to be respectful that aren't godly, that aren't Christians. They're civilized. They've, they've learned to some degree. But I would say when we're talking about a heart of respect on a deeper level, it starts, it starts with reverence towards God and a proper view of God, a fear of God, like Proverbs says. And not just saying that I fear God and not just coming to church and not just being a Mennonite by name, but actually thinking and believing and bowing my heart before God, recognizing that he is the creator, recognizing that he is my authority, recognizing that I, will, I must give an account to him, recognize that he is the maker and sustainer of life. And if we can get a glimpse of God's greatness and how small I am in comparison, I think it helps us set the stage and give us a foundation for true respect in, in relationships around us in life with others. When I voluntarily bow my neck and my back to a higher power, then we are more prepared to be a respectful person in life. A heart of reverence helps us, helps rid our hearts of pride, a pride a heart of reverence, gives us a proper understanding of our place before God and others. It does not make us better. It does not make us lower and worse. It it gives us a proper view of of our self-worth. Reverence for God gives us stability. It gives us a moral compass. It gives us something to come back to. A home base. And I just want to give you a couple of examples in the Bible. Joseph, you think about Joseph. Joseph, he, he's such a case study and so many lessons of integrity and, um, and in respect. Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife. He was alone with her. Far, far away from mom and dad. Far, far away from his church. Uh, no one else could see. His brothers had set him up and hurt him and rejected him and sold him. And he ended up far away in a powerful man's house with a powerful man's wife. And she, she tempted him to come lie with her. But you know, Joseph, Joseph had no blocks on his phone. He had no accountability partner to call up. But what Joseph said was, at the end of some of the other things that he said, was, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Because he had a fear and a reverence for God, it helped him to see clearly in the moment and to be able to respect Potiphar that wasn't there and to respect Potiphar's wife that was acting like she shouldn't have. probably looked like a mistake the first few years i wonder what joseph thought as he sat in prison for being a man of integrity and this is what he got but you know years down the road joseph became a, the second in command in the land a very respected man and i believe he was a very respectful leader as well moses when he was born The king of Egypt had commanded all the midwives to kill the baby Hebrews. And it's interesting. I don't know who these midwives were. But it says the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. But saved the men and children alive. Somehow these midwives, these women, in the secrecy of these huts and homes, thought about the fear of the king and the judgment that might come upon them if they don't obey him. But there was a higher and a greater reverence and a respect in their hearts and they saved those babies years later Moses was out in the wilderness this baby one of them that was saved but because of the fear of God and some midwives he was out in the desert and the bush was burning and it wouldn't burn up and he went over to it and God said to Moses <clears throat> put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon on thy stand standeth is holy ground and I, I think that and Moses obeyed. And Moses bowed himself down. And he, he had a reverence for God. He understood the holiness and the importance of, of that. And Joseph went on to probably do one of the most difficult jobs in the history of mankind. To become an ambassador between God and Pharaoh and between the God and the children of Israel. And he was right in the middle of these relationships of very disrespectful people. But he was a man of integrity, and he walked through that with with very high respect. And I believe it was, as you watch the disrespect of the people come upon Moses, what does he do? He falls to his knees before God. He had a heart of reverence. That was the only way he could act that way. Any other way, he would have, I'm sure, lashed out. So reverence, reverence for God, prepares and tunes our heart. For practical everyday respect and challenges that we face reverence for God and his word, the Bible now just a little bit on the opposite I just want to bring this point of reverence and where it all comes from and disrespect before us, before we get into more practical things but we see the opposite of reverence in Isaiah 14 and this is where Satan has a fallout with God and he's being cast from heaven and Isaiah fourteen thirteen through 15 says, For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation, the sides of the north. I will ascend up above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. And I just want to point out a few things here. The defiance of authority and the focus on I was what Satan's problem was. He was tired of being under the headship of God. He said, I can go on my own. I can be like God. I can sit upon the mount. I will exalt my throne. So pride and rebellion are very much a companion of disrespect. Rebellion and pride feel good in the moment. feels good to walk away from authority. Go do my own thing. Seems like freedom. Seems like independence. But the end of that road is hell. Hell on earth sometimes as well as eternity. In families, in communities, in countries. Satan was the author of rebellion and disrespect. It's what caused the first division. And it's what's caused many more since. So that is in why it is so important, I believe, to get the background, the foundation for respect in just the little things of life and relating to people one with another, is to have a proper concept of God, and to have a proper concept of the devil and what, what respect disrespect really is and where it comes from. Now, the term respect can be used in different ways. If you'd look in a dictionary or even in the Bible, it's used in, in different ways, but I, I, wrote, I wrote up on the board here the definition as I'm thinking of it. And, and along with these definitions, I wrote on one side respect. I wrote on the other side disrespect. And I gave a little definition. And I wrote some words that I, that I thought of that go often with respect. And some other words that go often with disrespect. And it's just to help paint a picture in your mind, maybe, to connect the dots of, of the package of respect and the package of disrespect and I don't know if we'll be able to touch on all of these I want to touch on most of them but respect and honor I might mention in the Bible honor is very similar to respect honor your parents honor those that are in authority honor all men it's as, as we would think of respect. It's to hold a high esteem, to show regard for others' worth. It's an attitude of deep admiration. And then attentiveness. And I'll, I'll, I'll go over some of these why I say that. But respect, you think of a respectful person or trying to be respectful. They are attentive. And, I'll, and it says to gaze. I'll talk about that later. Polite and courteous, considerate, thankful, Humble. Careful with property and things. A bridled tongue. And then over here we have disrespect. It's a, it's a disregard for the opinions and feelings of others. I don't care what you think. Uh, ignores. They're often they're kind of opposites. But ignores and is disinterested. If I don't care about it. Rude. Scoffers and mockers. We see that in Proverbs often. With... The scoffers and mockers, they're disrespectful, <clears throat> self-willed and rebellious, unthankful. Everything in life, just consume it. Just, I deserve it. Proud, reckless and rough, and a sharp tongue. Those are some things that make up what we're talking about when we talk about respect and disrespect. Reverence, I don't know if I have these things exactly right, but reverence seemed to me is just a notch- higher than than respect it is an awe of God it is worship it is I think more that fear of God in relation to God I want to talk about various things here this morning and I'm going to get pretty practical on some things hope that's all right and the first one I want to talk about is respect for other people and especially elderly and those in authority so who does that include well, it includes all of us. None of us are without authority in our lives. And I'm going to read a few verses here j- just from different passages. First Peter 2.17 says, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Proverbs 12.10 says, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. First, First Timothy 5, 1 through 3 says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. And the younger men as brethren, the, older, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters. With all purity, honor widows that are widows indeed. And then you jump to a few verses ahead in Timothy five seventeen. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in word and doctrine. Proverbs 16.31, The hoary head is a crown of glory, if it be found in the way of righteousness. And so God set up this headship order. It seems especially to emphasize the importance of respecting elders often in the Bible or our parents or those in authority. You know, any human relationships, societies, churches, homes, homes, where you have a group of people trying to work together, a government. When, when, this, when this law of, the God-given law of order of headship is not respected, it brings chaos and confusion and strife and division and a lack of productivity. You watch a country like Haiti. It's in, in complete chaos. There, everybody's doing what is right in their own eyes or whatever they can do. It's dysfunctional. And everyone suffers. There's no, there's no respect. So it's a, I believe it's a law of God. It's like truth. And like if you're a liar, you'll find yourself down a path you don't want to be in, in bondage. And same with a disrespectful person. There is even, a, aside from being a Christian, when a person that is respectful, God blesses them to a certain level. Exodus 20, 12 says, Honor thy father and mother, that thy days may be long upon the land that the Lord thy God giveth thee. I think that is the principle. That doesn't mean if you die young, you are disrespectful. But I think it is a general principle that when we, we, we we honor our authority, we honor our parents, that God's blessing will be upon us. You don't have to agree. You don't have to understand. But you still need to honor. You need to respect. And I would think this maybe feels like I'm talking to the youth, but I'm not really. I am, but I'm not just to the youth. But a few words to the youth, especially. There are times at your stage of life that you will most likely be exasperated uh, with your parents, with your authority, with other people's opinions. It doesn't make sense. Um, maybe they hold you back from things that seem harmless. It, it, you, you, just as a exercise of patience to put up with your parents and put up with your authority. And I would just say that in a way, some of that's okay. Don't, you can feel that way. You don't understand everything. You can't understand everything. You haven't walked the path that they have walked yet. And that is what Proverbs is full of. Is it appealing to the young man to listen and to take counsel to those that are, have went on before you? It doesn't make you dumb or less valuable it's It's just the simple fact that experience and produces a certain level of knowledge and awareness that you don't have and I think as a young person, if you can come to the point not to not not to where you get to the point where you don't think, you need to think and ask questions and challenge older people that's good but I think you, you need to get to the point where you can accept I don't understand everything but still be respectful and, and God will bless you as you grow through life in that way be humble and don't forget that just because an older person doesn't say much they maybe mumble a few things to themselves or to you that, that, that they're not smart it seems like the, often the wise have very few words. And it isn't because they're not wise. It's, it's maybe because they are wise and they've learned to bridle their tongue and to be careful. Whoso curseth his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscured darkness. The glory of, of young men is their strength. And the beauty of old men is the gray head. Another way to be respectful. Now I'm shifting away from the youth and just to all of us. Another way to be respectful, as I mentioned, attentiveness. And that that I I think we can understand if we think about that. But in in Genesis 4, where Cain and Abel came to God with their sacrifices, it says that God respected Abel's offering, but he did not respect Cain's uh, offering. And that word respect, I don't know what all it means, but some of that word means to look at intently, to gaze at. And so that is an interesting thought to me, because in real life that is so true. God looked at Cain, Abel and his offering, and he accepted it. When Cain brought the offering, it seems like God looked away. He, it wasn't acceptable. Something was wrong. I don't know what was wrong, but he, he ignored it. He looked away, and Cain felt that very much. The lack of God's attention on his life. And when you think about respect and listening to people, or talking to people and trying to respect them, paying attention and looking at them when they talk to you is a token of respect to, to listen to what they say, even if you don't agree, even if you think it's not true. But you can respect them by giving them your time and attention. Be polite, be courteous. A respectful person is polite. And I know that there's, you can do all this without respect, but I'm just saying, if you're respectful, the reason you're polite and respectful is because you're thinking and you're esteeming others. You're thinking about other people outside of yourself. If you're just just absorbed with yourself, you, you tend to miss all the needs of people around you to open the door. You say thank you when you pass each other look them in the eye and say good morning and I know we're up, I would just say this as a bonus here uh, we are reserved people right? men women and that is good I think we should have a, a high regard for that but when you meet another person coming down the hall and it's just you two look them in the eye and say hello or good morning that, don't don't be weird about it. Don't don't look down. That just feels rude. It feels cold, and I think that is one thing many of us and you do well at this. But it's just something I think about. It it's little cultural things, but they all add up when we start being impolite at home or at church or with each other. Smile. Just just give someone a smile. Um, some of you it comes real easy, and others of us we have to work at it, but. Um, you can do it if you try, and it's a blessing. It's a it's a method. It's a form of respect to to others, to acknowledge them, to to speak a word of kindness to them. <clears throat> I had a memory that as I thought about this subject, as a boy, and I and I'm, I thought about not sharing it because I'm not I'm ashamed of it, but I remember. As a young boy with another person, another young boy with an older man, middle-aged man maybe, and for some reason we would they, they some of you still do wear bill hats, and he would wear a bill hat, and we would knock that hat off his head, and it would land on the floor, and one of us would grab it, and then you know he would won his hat, and he couldn't get it, and there was two of you, and you'd throw the hat back and forth, terribly disrespectful. And I, I don't know how much we did that, but I just remember I have a memory in my mind of the day in the shop, the place where he had had enough, and and I was all of a sudden caught in this whirlwind of a man, and there was a steel rod laying somewhere, and he gave me a whipping of my life, and you know that hurt my feelings, and I. I held a grudge for a while, but there was, I don't know that I ever knocked his hat off again. And some of us need to learn the hard way. And I'm not advocating as an adult that we can just lose our temper. Um, But I think that sometimes, young people, there's consequences, children, when you be disrespectful. And sometimes it takes severe ones to help us remember. Respectful in our speech. Uh, maybe I'll ask this. What do you think about that, parents? What about that as a community? Most of us, the, the, the responsibility of training our children up as families is, is to the parents. But what about on a broader level? What if you see one of my children being disrespectful? What if I see one of yours being disrespectful? How should we handle that? And your parents aren't around. I think the appropriate thing is to try to let the parent know if they're there. If the parent's not there... I think that you should address my son or daughter if they're being disrespectful in, a, in some appropriate way, if they're, if they're doing something. I think a, a, a community, a church, we need to have that level of okayness and not be offended if somebody touches or says something to my child if, if we're not there. We should see that as help and to bless each other in that. Now, there's, of course, all kinds of wrong and right ways to do that. We need to be respectful in the way that we do that but i would just encourage us in that that we we welcome help with our children respectful in our speech that speech in our tongue is a big giveaway it's an indicator it's james talks about that a the difficulty of of controlled speech respectful speech is careful it's kind it's thoughtful Mm -hmm disrespectful speech is sharp it's defiant it's impulsive in the heat of the moment it says rebuke not an elder but be careful so be careful how you talk to older people don't be defiant to them um, if you disagree with them and there is a place i think in that if we were to dissect that verse paul is talking to timothy a young preacher he has a responsibility He's to deal with people that are probably older than him and to even rebuke them. But he says when you do that, do it in a fatherly, careful way. Don't, don't do it in a disrespectful way. And I think that that is actually healthy. Teenagers in the home should be able to challenge their father and mother in a very, I don't know if challenge is the right word, but ask questions in a respectful way, but not be disrespectful. And, and those are teaching moments. Okay, what about us as parents or elders? Do we need to respect others? Or do we, get a, do we grow out of that at some point? And then we, we're just on the receiving end until we, we die. You know, if I'm the dad, if I'm the business owner, if I'm the preacher or the grandpa, am I exempt? I don't think so. Uh, in fact, uh, I'll have a little bit more on that. But when, when we see disrespect in our children and in our youth, and I say this carefully because a child has a will and they're born rebellious and there's all of that side of it. But it's just maybe something for us to think about. Disrespect in our children, could the fruit of that, the fruit of our young people, does it come from the tree from which it fell? Is that a possibility? If we take the time to check, to consider that. You know, as fathers and mothers and school teachers and grandparents, ministers, elderly, whoever you might be. By the way we talk and act and respond to our authority towards those over us. The underlying lack of reverence or respect that maybe comes out when things happen that we don't agree When people um, do or say things that we just totally disagree with. How do we handle that? You know, if we storm around and complain and murmur, talk negative, scorn, belittle. No, those are the real teaching moments. Those are the moments. That's when we're teaching our children. It's not just in family devotions when we're calm. They might not say much but they're picking things up. They're being taught. And so if that's the case, when they down the road bear this fruit, maybe we shouldn't be so puzzled. You know, if, uh, we as fathers, if we're, we, I talked about before at the beginning, uh, we can physically bow the neck of our children if we want to. And we can use emotional bark and bite and we can dominate them. You know, that, that method, as I've watched and maybe even experienced at times, works in the short term. It looks good. It's a tidy package. Children are all sitting in a row. But it doesn't work in the long run. The long run takes more work. It takes a father with a bowed heart. A father that is submissive to his authority. A father that has a bridal tongue. Disrespectful children and youth can be very difficult, but it pales in comparison to a, dif- a disrespectful school teacher, a disrespectful father, a disrespectful preacher, a disrespectful president. That's a handful. The hoary head is a crown of glory if it be found in the way of righteousness, Proverbs 6.31 and I think there is a natural, there is a respect even for older people that aren't living right that we should have. But I think there is an extra demanding respect of a godly older person that has gray hair and is an example of respect. Respect is generally reciprocated. Do you know what that means? What, what, what you... Not always, but often. The way you operate, what you give out, often starts at a reciprocation where people give that back. It's, it's the best way to teach them, it's whether it's on the job place or, or work or wherever. Often the way that we, if we treat people with esteem and respect, it comes back around. Rebuke not an elder, I read these verses, but entreat him as a father, and the young men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Honor widows that are widows indeed. And we see here, I want to make that point, that the importance of respecting, for sure, like I've been talking about, those that are older than us, the gray-haired men and women. But he says here also to respect the younger. If I'm older, I should respect it doesn't, maybe it doesn't sound right to you, but I should respect in some way my children. I don't mock them. I don't make light of them or the youth and the things that they have done. I'm older, so I can just kind of run over it. He says, no. and The young men as brethren. So, so treat them, if you're the one in authority, treat them as an equal, as a brother. And that creates that respect. The young women, the, as sisters, with respectful reserve, Treat them as your daughters. You love them. There's reserve. You respect them. And the widows as well. The widows are vulnerable. They are in a position in life where people can easily sometimes take advantage of them. Respect them. God, the Bible talks in 1 Corinthians about the differences of gifts, differences of administration, difference of ways of doing things. Differences for different views, but it says, what, um, but the same Lord. And I think that gets practical sometimes, and it's a little hard. Do we, the tendency can be, and I think Brother John mentioned this in a, in a Sunday school a few weeks ago, and it stood out to me, that we can sometimes base our loyalties and our decisions on our friends, and the opinions of our friends, instead of on what is right and wrong. And I think that, <clears throat> People do things different. They view things different. They come from different perspectives in life. There's different churches and backgrounds, and and so we respect that. The minute somebody disagrees with me doesn't mean I need to tear his character down, because he doesn't agree with me. Listen, I think I think we can learn from those that disagree with us if it's done in respect. We should respect the handicapped. In Leviticus, all the way back in the Old Testament, God addressed us in Leviticus 19.14. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shalt fear thy God. I am the Lord. I think that is very important. The physically handicapped, the mental handicapped, the, the poor, the people that are vulnerable in life. The homeless, yes, they've made bad decisions. We shouldn't mock them and degrade them. They are still a human that has a soul that God cares about. The, the value of a person is not on how much money they have in the bank, the car that they drive, how tall they are, or how jump high they can jump. It is it is not measured in that. And, and the world tends, we can have that tendency to give more honor unto you know, the, the best athlete, the prettiest movie star. That's how, how, how it works. But with the Christian, it should not be that way. Re, how about reverence and respect in church services? Maybe give just a little bit of, on that. I remember in Romania years ago, walking into the church, and I guess it was their tradition. I don't know if all the Romanian Christians do this, but there, but they walked in. And they would, they'd come up to the, to the bench, and right before they would sit down on the bench, they would just kneel on the floor with their hands on the back of the bench and just say a silent prayer, and then they would get up and sit down. And that impressed me and stuck with me. It just had a—everybody a, a, did that as they came in at their own pace. Whenever you came in, you just kneeled, and I don't know what they prayed, but it, it felt very respectful and reverent. How about reverence and respect for the speaker that has studied and prayed and is now speaking, even if we disagree with him, and even if he's boring, and even if he's all the stuff? Respectfulness for the person that has put in effort to try to come and give something for the audience. It's a, it's a it's a matter of respect to listen to what he has to say, and I and I agree that we. Any of us as speakers should do our part to try to have something to offer. A while ago, I was at a church, and there was some grown people I'll put it that way that whispered, looked around, shuffled around, almost continuously, not paying attention. Terrible distraction, very irreverent. And unfortunately that was this church. I'll just tell you that much. And I don't think I don't think that the bulk of our church is that way. I'm I'm not tongue-lashing you for that. I think most of our church and you right now especially are very attentive and very respectful. And so I don't give that in a in a derogatory way, but I would just say I think there's there's room for that to be improved. And, and again, my family as well. But we, we don't want to try to get into, into some mold where they're, you know, we're just sitting on benches and not twitching. But I'm just talking about being respectful, paying attention, lots of in and out, um, just because we're bored. What about phones in church? Stick my neck out on this one. I know a lot of you... I don't know if a lot of you, some of you use phones in church, and it's probably fine. It's probably not wrong in and of itself. um, There's a right way to use it. But I would just point out a few dangers and a few things that have came back to me that I've heard not always witnessed. The potential for temptation is there. That's a big reason why I don't do my, I don't like it anyways, but I wouldn't do my devotions on my phone. There's all kinds of apps, all kinds of alerts, all kinds of temptations As you pick up that phone and it's full of apps, it's hard to stay focused uh, on just the Bible and using it in that way. There's a temptation to flip into other things. Emails and pictures and a quick check on social media. And I've heard, I I don't know if this is true, I hope it's not true, but I've heard that there's been sports looked at on on our phones right during church and shopping do a little bit of shopping on your phone it's irreverent disrespectful if we don't have the discipline to use our phones for a bible i would suggest we we don't bring them how about reverence in prayer to to We have this little cultural thing of closing our eyes. And that's almost... I don't close my eyes every time either. But I think there's something to that. It's not because it's holy to close your eyes and bad to open your eyes. But it's that thing of distraction again, I think. As you bow your head, does body posture matter? Can I just pray like this to God? And I probably could. But I think our body posture, our actions, our words... Say something about the heart. I think that is why I think it's, I'm glad that we hang on to kneeling for prayer, at least some. I don't think we have to, and I think you can kneel and be irreverent. But I think there's something about bowing our physical bodies down before God, closing our eyes, that is an act of humility and reverence. And I think it's good. It reminds us of what we're doing. What about clothes? I suppose this is a touchy one. But, you know, the way we dress in church, I think, matters. Like, to what level? Well, I can't dice that out perfectly, and I know there's different ways and practices and cultures, but I think probably all of us would agree on some level it matters. Now, the level to which that is is where it's debatable. But clothes, body posture, the way that we act, portrays whether we're reverent or not or or we're respectful and if nothing else if we don't get it we don't agree with it there is a level of respect for a, a culture and a congregation that will at least respect what the practice is and what the practice has been and not always have to do the opposite and be logical about it and say what difference does it make it's about respect it's about blending with the way that your community does that and yes there's different ones that do it different ways respect for life the basic respect of life abortion a suicide, assisted suicide euthanasia all of that that of course is is i think again at the foundation is a lack of reverence for god and so then life itself doesn't matter you can kill babies you can kill old people It's a disconnect from the reverence of God. Speaking of cultures, we get that, and the Bible teaches that. Paul talked about that when you're with the Greeks, when with the Jews. You maybe adjust some of your practical applications. I remember in Haiti, one of the things that they had, you'd go to a church, and if you sat on the bench, it was very irreverent to do this. And I'm not sure why, but it's just part of their thing and I sat up there one time and I had my legs crossed and the, and the people were they tend to be really respectful to the white people so it really put them in a bind because they wanted to be respectful to me but I wasn't being respectful by the way I was sitting and I think after some whispering and a couple, one of them came and told me, pointed for my leg to be down and so I could have just justified myself, there's nothing wrong with crossing my leg What in the world? This is stupid. But uh, to be respectful. Put my leg down. To to fit in. And we understand that in cross cultures. But the same is true in our own cultures. in in, In our own churches. In our own communities. In our own families. To be respectful of that. And not always try to logic our way into swimming upstream. Respect for animals. Proverbs 12.10, a righteous man regardeth the life of his beast, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. And I think I won't say much on that, but just being kind to animals is part of respect. Respect for property and things. Thankfulness seems to be connected, like I said, to respect. To be thankful, to be good stewards, to not be wasteful and rough and reckless, and to teach our children not to just throw the book on the floor when they're done with it, to throw the toy down, and if there's a paper laying on the floor, just rip it for no reason. Just destroy things. That's kind of how at least some of ours come pre-programmed, and and they still are a little bit. And so it's like you teach them, line upon line, don't throw the book on the floor, don't tear the paper, don't break the toy, respect those things. Don't slam the door. I remember as a boy over in Ernest Berkey's cabinet shop sanding a desk top down. And my dad was trying to teach me to respect the property of the school. I don't know what I'd scratched or written or what, but um, respect for property. Okay, so in closing, I'd like to encourage us as individuals, as a family as families, as a community, to cultivate respect and reverence for God, for his creation. And it matters. It matters a lot. It is a principle of God. And a a respectful church and respectful families and youth created a godly environment and where there is disrespect and disregard and mocking and backbiting It brings division and strife and ill will in a community. Let's be helpful, but let's be patient and merciful with one another in this effort. May God bless you. Let's have a song.